Hello everyone, I'm Bobby and we are back with the AI Lab podcast. Today I'm here with Professor Giuseppe Mascarella. I'm excited to hear what he has to say about artificial intelligence. Hi Giuseppe. Good morning everybody. This is uh, adjunct professor Giuseppe Mascarella. I teach machine learning at Florida Atlantic University part-time and my main job is I'm the CEO of a leading company that uses artificial intelligence to do predictive maintenance of dangerous assets. The company is ICATRA and we monitor nuclear plants and any other dangerous uh, hazard assets like fuel tanks or chemical plants. The usage of artificial intelligence in our world is uh, generally targeted to understand the situation of interest and predict the possible outcome uh, for different, from different point of view. So let's say that in a turbo generator, you have a situation of interest. Some uh, blades in, in the turbine are showing vibration. So the first thing you do is you want to probably have a, a digital twin. A digital twin is the copy of the asset into the virtual world. Think about taking the 3D AutoCAD picture and seeing this uh, on your computer. And when you see something like vibration on a blade, uh, you want to see what are the possible causes? So you double click on uh, the rotor and you see if the vibration are impacting the rotor. You double click on the sensors of temperature. You see if temperature is normal and you start to do root cause analysis with the visual. So the digital twin allows you to see data and understand the situation. The next thing you want to do is predict. So given what I know, let him predict. The challenge is the human being can see data in three, almost four dimensions. You now X, Y, Z plus time. While a machine learning algorithm in the world of artificial intelligence called, there are different algorithms, let's not dig into the, uh, the names, is able to see the reality from uh, thousands of point of view. We can process uh, thousands of uh, vectors. So what we do is we take all this uh, uh, data streaming because you got to have data in real time. Those are situations in evolving and you need to figure out if this is something you want to escalate to disaster recovery uh, to the manufacturers or it's something you know how to handle. So you take those data in real time, you see the trend and you judge if this is uh, uh, within the normal or is it, if it is an anomaly. If an anomaly, our software broadcasts those data to manufacturer, consultant, headquarter, um, the fire department, all the people in the, the decision value chain that need to know in order to manage a situation of uh, interest. Now, the algorithm of machine learning is able to do the, three things. First, builds a mathematical model of the turbo generator. That means that you are able to judge if that temperature, pressure, uh, steam uh, conditions and vibration are within 
expect the condition given the fact that you're pushing at 90, 95% of the possibility. There might be what the manufacturer planned and there is nothing to notify the fire department is just because you're running at 95% of the uh, full power. Uh, and given the condition of uh, uh, maintenance of steam, you're getting to the turbo generator. But there is a chance instead that uh, this is not normal. It's called anomaly detection. So having a mathematical model that, of the ecosystem allows to, you to have anomaly detection. That is one of the categories of machine learning. The next is you have an algorithm of regression type of machine learning that help you predict what is the evolving situation look like in three hours, three days, three weeks. And that allows you to understand how urgent and dangerous is the situation, because sometimes people underestimate. The third thing is categorization, means diagnosis. You might think that this is due to a rotor or by due to a poor quality of the steam. What is the, the diagnosis can be done by machine learning. And machine learning does this because has been observing patterns for probably five years, if you feed five years of data, and allows that every time you have all these elements, the diagnosis has been this and generally gives you more than one. It will tell you it is diagnosis A, uh, 90%, diagnosis B, uh, 40%, diagnosis C, uh, 15%. So you don't rule out others, but you get the, the diagnosis with high probability uh, to investigate. Well, it's the value. If you have that kind of information, you can send the right technician with the right part, do the intervention fast because you're not opening to figure out and just wait a few days where multiple experts come and look. You already are sending the right expert with the right part. So open, fix, close. It can, it can take like one tenth of the time of uh, what is uh, needed in general for an intervention. You are predicting system failure. Or f sometimes it's no failure, but it can be malfunctioning that uh, it will uh, produce uh, poor quality into the outcome. Uh, so having a system work not in perfect condition is also a cost because you need to trash or rework the production. Think about chemical producing soap producing medicine. Okay. And what is the accuracy of those predictions? How often does it happen that the algorithm will predict that there's a malfunction, but that everything will be uh, working perfectly fine? Maybe. No, in the machine learning science, it's uh, garbage in and garbage out. So if you give data that are clean, well-prepared, and you've done a very good job in feature engineering, understanding all the possible variables and feeding them, you can reach 90, 95%. We have been in cases where we have reached the 92%, but the reality is a little bit different. Most of the case, you are in the 75 to 85%. 
and over time you keep improving the accuracy and precision uh, by doing uh, additional work of uh, data cleansing, data, uh, data en uh, feature engineering, and uh, getting more data. So it is uh, hard work. All right, and what are the biggest challenges that you have faced in that endeavor? Um, first, the data are not clean. Um, there's a lot of uh, nulls, a lot of uh, wrong numbers, and the data preparation is uh, probably sometimes 50% of the work of an entire artificial intelligence uh, uh, system. Uh, second is um, features engineering. You know, mapping the the reality to the mathematical model, uh, it is uh, uh, one of the most refined work of uh, human intelligence. So when people think that with artificial intelligence humans are useless, uh, I would say that uh, we need to study machine learning as it is today. I don't know 50 years from now what is going to be, but as it is today, uh, we prepare the data, we prepare the features, we decide what to predict. And sometimes, for example, a variable in itself means nothing. And, and if you analyze 10 variables, there is no anomaly, no correlation, no dependency. But for example, if you take the concept of this a threshold, the noise of the events is everything above 500. So you take off the threshold. Then you look at the fact that the variables are not independent. Some have a, a symbiotic uh, or sometimes have a multiplier. Means as soon as uh, variable A increases, the other one triples. So at that point, you might want to put in the feature engineering the multiplication of them. For example, temperature humidity might be okay by themselves, but if you want to look at the perceived uh, temperature, means the uh, humidity and temperature, generally you sum them or multiply them because the two together are very visible. I mean, for human being, I'm giving this example because human being can uh, uh, relate to this example. Uh, if you are in Miami, you have a 100 degree and 80% humidity, you really can't stand it. But if you are in the mountains and you have 100 degree, uh, I'm talking an American uh, Fahrenheit, think about it, uh, 35 degrees Celsius, eh? and you have a 75% uh, humidity, that's no big deal. So for humans, we see that uh, the, the overlapping effect of the two creates a reaction. The same as in machinery, humans need to prepare that this variable, when you multiply, they have a, a, a correlation with the forecasting of a, a variable and accuracy. If you take them separately, no big deal. You really need to have a big difference to see that. The multiplication, it gives you an indication immediately. So that is called feature engineering. And that is what we do in Ikatra when we prepare the, the model to do forecasting. And it's something very useful for our clients. Um, and 
saving some time lives, you know, because if a system fails, can uh, release a pollutant into uh, the environment, into the community, or uh, explode, all sorts of uh, consequences. If such a thing happens, who would be the responsible person for that? Because uh, the algorithm might have predicted something, but then there's still a decision maker behind it, right? Yeah, you are touching a very important point. Uh, up to today, all those dangerous assets have been uh, designed for uh, events not to happen. So there's a redundant uh, uh, system, uh, shut down one and go to the other one, a redundant pipe, the redundant exhaust, a redundant uh, thing, and still accident happens. So redundancy sometimes it's not the answer. So the first responsibility is who designed the system instead of uh, doing redundant things, do things that you monitor and make sure that uh, it's working. So that's the first responsibility, engineering firm. The second is you train operator, you put processes. And so there is sequencing. When this happened, follow sequence 35. When this happens, follow this other sequence. And the operator pretty much are human robots. So we're humans, but they act as a robot. And that's very interesting that we're worried about robot taking jobs, but at the same time, we make humans work like a robot, means like executing a prescriptive sequence. And we've seen that uh, in many cases, including Chernobyl or others, that sequence don't work. And actually, uh, there are plenty of sequences that still today don't work. A power transformer in New York four weeks ago exploded. The sequence didn't work. Um, so the the operators and the processes are another responsibility of act and they have efficacy, but they're not uh, the right way to ensure best security. The third is uh, escalations. And at that point, you bring subject matter experts that quarter the government the disaster recovery in the US will be FEMA, the federal, the state, and the county authorities. So you need to broadcast those digital twin to all of them because. As of today, most of the organizations that are open to artificial intelligence, they accept the advice on diagnosis, on forecast, on anomaly detection, but still they want to make decisions uh, based on the uh, needs of the community or the situation. We're not far. The same way autonomous driving will happen in the next five years, autonomous decision will help will happen in complex industrial plants within the next few years and it just requires that we perfect the science that we and we trust it we are in the way it will happen okay um do you have other examples this is not so much related to your personal work but maybe globally of such examples where um, artificial intelligence um, not worked perfectly well and there might have been malfunction in the system or of the processes. And would you attribute this to a problem in the algorithm or in the processes? Because you also said that the prescripted 
um, actions taken by humans were wrong in the New York example? Well, in the New York example, it, it, there was no machine learning. It was purely uh, probably Six Sigma or any structure of the procedure left to right. And uh, so, the, oh, there are plenty of every disaster is because the, the procedure didn't work. Uh, and so the current reality today is that those procedures uh, work in a lot of times, but not all the time. In uh, uh, when you talk about uh, cases instead where machine learning failed, uh, generally don't make the news because uh, everybody knows that it's an experiment and people are working on it. But there are some cases that make news, and you can open publicly talk about that. That is the self-driving cars. I think at this point it's four years of uh, autonomous driver driving in uh, like Arizona, uh, Nevada, California. Uh, the first accident that happened uh, four months ago. And we're talking about a car has been driving for uh, 2,000 miles, in addition to this happening, uh, failed to stop to a traffic light. And uh, I think we had the first ca casualty, first person dead. And um, it, it seems like uh, there were several factors that contributed to that situation, including uh, uh, somebody, another car doing something completely uh, unexpected. Now, if we look at, uh, of course, people say the algorithm will kill the people. Well, if you look at the humans, the humans are, have been in a car accident way more frequently than the algorithm. So I find that the accident actually is a success out of the incredible amount of self-driving cars. There was the only accident. If that is the case, if nobody has been hiding them, and that would be, I think it would be very hard to hide because the news is all looking for that because they will, they will make first page. Uh, that is a success. That means that uh, autonomous driving is working and in four years has been quite reliable but there are situations yes and um, a lot of people are just jumping on the hype train and suddenly ai is all bad and uh, there's a huge disaster um, obviously we should avoid such accidents but people kill uh, on the road on daily basis and um, as you said Maybe the statistically speaking, we're talking about a lot lower chance of having an accident when an AI is controlling it. After all, we have autopilots uh, for airplanes for many years now, right? Well, actually, that is something that people forget about it. Airplanes work in autopilot 90% uh, of the time. So the pilot needs to decide to overrule the default of this autopilot. Those are autonomous vehicles driven by artificial intelligence and this has been happening for a lot of years and the accidents we have seen have been uh, when artificial intelligence was not there it was mostly uh, procedures uh, i think in 95 uh, there was uh, a procedure that uh, if um, 
an engine was losing power uh, throw more more gas and it seems like straightforward on no? losing power uh, you need to put more gas to give the airplane power well in a situation where ice damaged the blades and you had some return fire putting more fire melted the engine and made this airplane end up in the river and killing everybody so uh, some procedures decided by humans failed well if machine learning is done automatically correctly you see all the possible cases and you might be able to um, predict that it's not always the case there's no high correlation so we hope that looking at data uh, to make those uh, autonomous system will be better than having a expert looking at a, a smaller data set because human can see a smaller amount of data than algorithm that's uh, pretty much the basic of why we do better i mean we do also better because there is no emotions the uh, british did a study on um, the office that grants uh, pardons to prisoners and we found out that one hour before lunch the frequency of pardon is way lower than uh, one hour after lunch. And yeah, I heard about this example. It's very interesting. They call them robot judges. And there was also the thing that, um, statistically speaking, unfortunately, there's still negative bias against people of color uh, in yeah, judges. Exactly. exactly. So you have another variable there. Yeah. So. The future of artificial intelligence is promising, is going to bring good. People just need to, instead of fighting, we need to become useful. We need to study algorithms, study feature engineering, and become part of the revolution, other than uh, be fearful of it. Yes, and um, what would you say is your prediction about, um, because you, you, you touched upon the future of artificial intelligence, when do you think we'll massively will accept the usage of artificial intelligence uh, in our everyday lives, and especially when it comes to big decision-making activities, like as you gave the example for um, court cases? Uh, when do you think people will understand and accept artificial intelligence? It's about the value you create. It's the same as your privacy. If they say you get a free operating system on your galaxy, uh, people are willing to give their privacy for getting a free operating system and still paying over $50. If you say I give you a credit report uh, for you in exchange for you to give you all your private information, people will do it. So the value will drive how much human beings are willing to compromise their values. It has happened for several years into the privacy and it's happening today into the um, artificial intelligence. When the value is proven to be big, people are willing to give up on control, on uh, stereotype ways of to do things from the past. Okay, and um, you're a professor in university. Can you tell us a bit more exactly what you're teaching? 
Yes, I teach uh, social media innovation where we look at the analytics uh, uh, in the social media. Uh, pretty much if you look at the way Donald Trump was elected, it was the most elegant and refined exercise of artificial intelligence. And it, it's also changing the world of data science uh, without people noticing it because people think about what it emotionally says other than uh, what he did. Pretty much before Donald Trump, Calls like people making phone calls asking the individual, what do you think of, of this country? What do you think of the other one? What's the way to understand reality through interviewing? Well, Donald Trump and Cambridge Analytica proved that their method is obsolete and that is not accurate because Hillary Clinton was supposed to win a, a, like what, 75 to 25 and instead she lost. And the reason is because you can't get the reality out of uh, asking random questions uh, in a random moment of life. People don't give you the, the truth. People don't. Uh, so the, the data collection is not the truth. Instead, collecting data from social media through a massive processing of data, a sentiment analysis allows to understand the truth and also to act on the truth. So we look at the algorithm of, for example, uh, recommenders, you know, the same that Netflix uh, famous by recommending movies. So recommenders using in social media means that there is a community of 5 million people that likes to talk about the war and immigration limitation. Well, I going to target the community with messages about the wall and immigration limitation. There's another community that instead is very liberal about immigration, but really is strongly opinionated of gun control. Well, I'm going to talk to that community through a, a other algorithm about what I'm going to do gun control. So at that point, I'm talking about the right thing to the right person. You get elected all the time. Instead of those things where you talk about gun control, they, they will prevent immigration, this, and then the people say, uh, only two out of five are topic that makes you uh, the right candidate for me. And there is always going to be three out of five. Two. Instead, the way Trump did it, using data, he talked to the right people with the right message and got elected. So from now on, classical polling is no longer existing. It's artificial intelligence on social media data that will be the way uh, we're choosing to be government. It's the government. And at this point, the, those algorithms are going to even decide at a certain point uh, what society we're going to have. Because if they decide who to elect, they decide also what is the future is going to be. So the pro-technology people will probably be able to win more than people that deny technology. So we are making a decision to become an artificial intelligence society because of the superiority of artificial intelligence to Paul and candidate that will continue to do Paul other than uh, AI will not survive. So we are pretty much uh, feeding a the success with the with the AI and it is an interesting uh, uh, phenomenon that uh, very few people have seen have noticed. 
And what is your students' uh, perception on that? What have you seen any change in the way students accept and think about artificial intelligence in late years? What can you say about that? Uh, you know, you we are human beings. Uh, I would say that there is the twenty percent that are the uh, how is it, alternative living, the yoga, the spirituality, and so on. And they take the position of uh, uh, I will fight uh, the advancement of machinery and uh, artificial intelligence, and let the human spirit, uh, spirituality prevail, and so on. So there is always the group, and it's part of being humans. But I would say that a good fifty percent side into how professor how do i learn this stuff how do i become the best at this and how do i practice and then there's a 30 percent that stays in the fence and says well you know i'm not sure this is really something i should worry about and so on but i would say out a good 50 percent the new generation are willing to embrace change or innovation okay this is very valuable uh, insights. Thank you, Giuseppe. Um, do you have any final words, uh, especially regarding the future of artificial intelligence and your personal opinion about this? Well, my closing remark is uh, become educated, savvy, uh, just ride the wave and make this innovation work for you don't be the victim of it. There are plenty of things in life that can make you the victim uh, because you believe that you can't. Everybody can become an artificial intelligence expert, gain benefits. It's your mindset, your state of mind that prevents you from doing it. You all have the possibility to become an artificial intelligence expert. Just change the state of mind and start studying, practicing, watching video podcasts like that, and you will be a leader other than a victim. Start studying, embrace the future, and change your mind. I love this as a closing remark. Thank you very much, Giuseppe. Thank um, you so much for the opportunity. Yes, thank you. And um, everyone else uh, listening to us, thank you and follow us on our social media channels that you can find um, uh, wherever you're listening. There will be links there. So, um, yeah, thank you and see you next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you.